anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 thanks for joining us today this is the hour of intercession I'm Pastor Joseph Parker we invite you to look with us in the word of God to begin with in the book of 2nd Timothy 2nd Timothy chapter 3 beginning at verse 1 You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times where people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will be considered, they they will consider, they will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they're never able to understand the truth. These teachers oppose the truth, just as Johnny's and Jambri's opposed Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith, but they don't get away with this for long. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are just as with Johnny's and Jambres. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. All of 2 Timothy chapter 3. Father, thank you, Lord, for the fact that you are El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. You are King of kings and our Lord of lords. And thank you, Lord, for the fact that you're bigger than the problems, the challenges, all the storms going on in the world today. Father, as we're 
getting deeper and deeper into the end times. Thank you for the fact that you are our King of Kings, again, our Lord, and we can trust you. And our goal is to continue to serve you and follow you and represent you as ambassadors in the world for the kingdom of light. Help us to be faithful to do just that every day of our lives. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Our producer is Isaac Jackson. Isaac is going to lead us in a word of prayer at this time. Hey, Father, I ask that you'd come and speak in these moments, that you'd speak through Pastor Joseph and that you'd speak to him. Father, I ask that you would fill this time with your will and that um, you'd speak to us and to the listeners. Father, I ask that you'd grow us in maturity and faithfulness and holiness, that we could grow to be more like you every moment. And thank you so much for allowing us to partner with you as you love uh, more, well, like better than we could ever imagine. In your holy name, amen. 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 Thank you, Isaac. And thank you again for being a part of our listening family. We're privileged to have with us in studio today, Steve Jordahl, who is a part of the AFR news team here. Steve, good to have you with us today. Thank you, Pastor Joseph, for having me. All right. We appreciate you being with us today. In this first segment, uh, we're going to be talking some about just some of the uh, issues that are so heavily in the news, especially as it relates to the nation of Israel and things going on in the Mideast. Steve, would you take a moment to just uh, share with us just some of the uh, highlights of things in the news and just what's going on? Well, as most of you may know, about a week and a half ago, uh, terrorists in the Gaza Strip, that's the little strip of land at the very southwestern corner of Israel, um, launched an attack, a terrorist attack on Israel, started with rockets. They followed that with uh, terrorists on hang gliders and uh, it made an, a horrific, um, ghastly, awful attack, um, torturing men, women, and children. It was, it was um, as, as bad as any... I've, I've talked to people who have been to war, and they say this is as bad as they've seen. Um, and so Israel is now... Measuring a response. They've been um, bombing parts of, Israel, of Gaza that house the leadership of Hamas, this terrorist group that launched this uh, attack. Um, and they have promised to go in and, and wipe Hamas off the map, basically. They want to go in. But there are considerations because other countries, um, as you uh, remember, whenever Israel does something... There's, she's surrounded by Arab nations that want her destruction. Palestine, the Palestinian people, I should say, um, want to wipe Israel off the map. They don't want that country to exist in the textbooks of their children. There is no country of Israel. It's all called Palestine. And uh, so it's tense. There's, it, it's a tinderbox there just waiting to, to uh, erupt. And on top of that, Iran, which is sponsoring Hamas and the terror there, has promised to engage in this war in a more physical way, like send soldiers and wage war against Israel if Israel goes into Hamas, into uh, Gaza. So there's a lot of stuff going on in the Middle East right now. It is very, very tense. Mm. Okay. Well, Steve, I appreciate you coming in and sharing about that. I'm going to ask if you you would at this time, just whatever's on your heart in relation to what you've just shared, to pray about some of those matters, if you would. Sure. Father God, you've instructed us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and Lord, that's what we do. 
We pray for your protection on the, the people there. We pray uh, that your um, restraining spirit would miraculously stop the terror that's besieging them, Lord, that the hearts of the wicked that are against you and your people would be thwarted, would be confused, Father God, and that uh, you would, your name would be lifted high, and that through this, Father God, your name and your son's name, Jesus, would be lifted up in Israel, and that they would see somehow, Lord, that you are their God still, and that Jesus is their Messiah. Father God, I just pray for peace over there. I pray for the wisdom of the, of the leaders of Israel. Um, I pray for our President Biden, who's over there right now, that you give all of them uh, wisdom to know how to deal with this uh, impending uh, strife that's going on there. Father God, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, to thank you for the opportunity that we as your people, the church, have of being able to pray for Israel and the concerns of that nation and the Middle East as well. Father, thank you for the nation of Israel, Father. Flood Israel with your light, peace, mercy, and joy in much greater measure. And Lord, for Israel and for the whole Middle East, Father, send forth many more laborers into Israel and the Middle East who will proclaim the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so that they would come to know Christ as Lord and Savior of their lives. Help us as the church to always be mindful that the greatest need of human beings all over the world is to come to know Jesus and to live for Jesus Christ. Help us to be faithful, to send forth more labors and to pray for those regions. Flood them with light, grace, and joy. And Lord, let your peace prevail mightily in the Middle East according to your perfect will. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to read Psalm 122, an important psalm that reminds us about the importance of lifting up Jerusalem and Israel in prayer. Psalm 122, beginning at verse 1. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And now here we are, standing inside your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a well-built city. Its seamless walls cannot be breached. All the tribes of Israel, the Lord's people, make their pilgrimage here. They come to give thanks to the name of the Lord, as the law requires of Israel. Here stand the thrones where judgment is given, the thrones of the dynasty of David. Pray for the peace in Jerusalem. May all who love this city prosper. O Jerusalem, may there be peace within your walls and prosperity in your palaces. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, may you have peace. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek what is best for you, O Jerusalem. Again, all of Psalm 122. Thank you again, Father, for the privilege we have of being able to lift Israel up. Father, we lift up the leadership of Israel. We lift up the president. We lift up the prime minister. We lift up the Knesset. We lift up all those in the government of the nation of Israel and all the people as well. Father, flood that whole region with your mercy and your grace in much greater measure in Jesus' name. And Lord, we ask that you, Lord, supernaturally and miraculously deliver hostages back home in Jesus' name, Lord, and do it in such a way that it will be obvious that it was you that brought this about. And Lord, more and more raise them. Just send forth even more laborers into both Israel and all the Middle East as well. And help us as the church to be very much involved with our prayers and in all the other ways you'd have us to be involved. We thank you and praise you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Steve, you know, also, I was looking at the news, too, and saw where it looked like 
Uh, our embassy in Lebanon um, seemed to have a lot of protests, and it looks like it could be potentially very dangerous, and that, too, is a matter that we should be praying about. Uh, what can you share with us about that? Well, um, America is uh, one of the strongest allies, maybe the only ally, uh, strong ally of Israel, at least of among superpowers. And uh, that brings us also under condemnation by Arab countries and those that are opposed to the people of God. And we're seeing that in Lebanon. Um, we're seeing that right now with protest, as you say, outside the embassy, fires being set. Not The embassy is not on fire, but they're, they're protesting uh, out there. And um, that might also have been a little bit initiated by Iran because Iran said that if... Uh, the war started, a broader war started, that they were going to cause pain on the United States. They are blaming us for that, thinking that we have some say in that. So that's the the genesis of the tension, the, at least the recent tension that's going on there. Mm. So that, too, obviously, is a, it's an a matter that we is we should be praying for as well. Father, thank you, Lord, for all of our ambassadors and all of our uh, people that may be in the Middle East for governmental reasons or otherwise, Lord. We ask that you'd keep uh, our citizens safe from danger, evil, and harm. And, Lord, help them, too, to be bright, shining witnesses in the midst of all that's going on as well. And, Father, Lord, I pray that more and more you'd raise up people that will represent you and represent your heart uh, and be committed to doing what we can do to help bring peace to this whole region. We thank you and praise you for that opportunity. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Father God, I also lift up uh, the situation again in the Middle East, and I pray, Lord, that you would cause our government here in the United States to be steadfast in its support of Israel, despite the threats, despite the violence that may be coming our way. Father God, I just pray that you would keep us in the center of your will as we are supporting your people, Father God. Amen. 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 Well, Steve, again, I appreciate again so much your being with us today. I would mention, too, I uh, recently had uh, someone that shared a prayer concern about one individual who's in the Navy. They were on a ship headed back to the U.S. and then all of a sudden got turned around and sent back to the Middle East. So we definitely need to be praying for our military as well. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession. Our in-studio guest today is Steve Jordahl with AFR News. We'll be right back. listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. 
Our in-studio guest today is Steve Jordahl, who, who is a part of our AFR news team here at American Family Radio. So, Steve, you wanted to ask, share something yeah, additionally. I wonder, um, every time something happens in the Middle East, the question comes up, is this, does this have something to do with prophecy? Are we in the end times? Are we, is this speaking to the return of Jesus? And everybody that I've spoken to, and you as a pastor would know better than me even, but I say, we can't know specifically. We can't say, oh, this happened, therefore the clock has started in, in a, a month, a year, whatever. But it does remind me that our time every day is a day closer to when Jesus returns. And it just feels like our time may be growing short to be a witness, um, the church to be a witness, even in this country. Well, you know, definitely it's important for us to take serious the fact that we, you know, we are living in the end times. And the the fact is to, in in a sense... You might say everything that happens to the nation of Israel is prophetic in that because even the fact that Israel exists as a nation today is prophetic powerfully and mightily. And so it's important for us as the church to take it very serious to pray for Israel because, again, Israel is a nation that was a nation brought up by God, you know, developed by God. And it represents the kingdom of God and the work and the will of God in the world. And that's part of why it appears they're surrounded by people that hate them because Satan wants to destroy the things that represent our Heavenly Father. So, again, the seriousness of us as the church praying much for Israel should always be taken, you know, very, very seriously. Father, thank you again for the opportunity for us to lift Israel up. Thank you, Father, for Israel's military. And thank you for the leadership of the military, as well as thank you for the leadership of the whole nation. More and more, help them to walk in wisdom and grace and strategy. Help them, Lord, to to listen to you and to guide them, guide their every step so that you will be glorified through that which is done. And thank you, Father, for the fact that more and more people are coming to know Christ in the nation of Israel. The Lord Jesus, he is our Messiah. He is their Messiah. He's all of our Messiah. Thank you for sending him to make a way for us to be saved and spend all eternity with you. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. Flood Israel with a greater portion of your light, peace, mercy, joy, and grace today. And thank you for how that your mercy goes mightily with them everywhere we go. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Father God, I just also pray, Lord, that you would make the church in America aware. Father God, that every day we're closer to your return and that you would Uh, make us to be urgent about sharing the gospel, about taking advantage of the opportunities, because we don't know if what's going on in the Middle East right now is going to lead directly to your return. But Lord, help us to be ready in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Well, Steve, thank you again so much for being with us today and coming in both sharing as well as praying with us as well. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Again, we were grateful to have Steve Jordahl of the AFR News Team with us today. And again, our encouragement is to every believer listening, take much time to pray for Israel and for the things that are going on in the Middle East. Psalm 23 was written by King David, and I'm going to take time to share it now. Psalm 23, beginning at verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. End of Psalm 23. And again, something very powerful to consider is, you know, King David is a towering figure in all of Scripture. And basically, we're introduced to David in the book of 1 Samuel, where we're actually reading as we're reading through the Word of God. And just a reminder of the fact that right up until this moment, the nation of Israel still is very prophetic in many, many ways. Even the, the, the nation's flag, it bears the star of David. Again, and David was a man after God's own heart and next to Christ Jesus. And of course, obviously, the greatest king Israel has ever had and does have is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But under Christ, David stands as the greatest king Israel has ever had up until this day as well. So again, a towering figure in all of Scripture, King David really has been. Well, we continue now reading through the Word of God as we pick up now in the book of First Samuel, First Samuel chapter 14 beginning at verse 1. One day Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outpost. But Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. Meanwhile, Saul with his 600 men were camped on the outskirts of Gibeah, around the pomegranate tree at Migron. Among Saul's men was Ahijah, the priest, who was wearing the ephod, the priestly vest. Ahijah was the son of Ichabod's brother Ahitab, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord who had served at Shiloh. No one realized that Jonathan had left the Israelite camp. To reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were called Bozes and Senei. The cliff on the north was in front of Michmash, and the one on the south was in front of Geba. Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor-bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle, whether he has many warriors or only a few. Do what you think is best, the armor-bearer replied. I'm with you completely. Whatever you decide. All right then, Jonathan told him. We will cross over and let them see us. If they say to us, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we will stop and not go up to them. But if they say, come on up and fight, then we will go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. When the Philistine, when the Philistines saw them coming, They shouted, Look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, Come on up here and we'll teach you a lesson. Come on, climb right behind me, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. So they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer killed those who came behind them. 
They killed some 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over about half an acre. Suddenly, panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, including even the outposts and raiding parties. And just then, an earthquake struck, and everyone was terrified. Saul's lookouts in Gibeah of Benjamin saw a strange sight. The vast army of Philistines began to melt away in every direction. Call the roll and find out who's missing, Saul ordered. And when they checked, they found that Jonathan and his armor bearer were gone. Then Saul shouted to Ahijah, Bring the ephod here. For at that time, Ahijah was wearing the ephod in front of the Israelites. But while Saul was talking to the priest, the confusion in the Philistine camp grew louder and louder. So Saul said to the priest, Never mind, let's get going. Then Saul and all his men rushed out to the battle and found the Philistines killing each other. There was terrible confusion everywhere. Even the Hebrews, who had previously gone over to the Philistine army, revolted and joined in with Saul, Jonathan, and the rest of the Israelites. Likewise, the men of Israel, who were hiding in the hill country of Ephraim, joined the chase when they saw the Philistines running away. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle continued to rage even beyond Beth-Avon. Now the men of Israel were pressed to exhaustion that day because, because Saul had placed them under an oath saying, Let a curse fall on anyone who eats before evening, before I have full revenge on my enemies. So no one ate anything all day, even though they had all found honeycomb on the ground in the forest. They didn't dare touch the honey because they all feared the oath they had taken. But Jonathan had not heard his father's command, and he dipped the end of his stick into a piece of honeycomb and ate the honey. After he had eaten it, he felt refreshed. But one of the men saw him and said, Your father made the army take a strict oath that anyone who eats food today will be cursed. That is why everyone is weary and faint. My father has made trouble for us all, Jonathan exclaimed. A command like that only hurts us. See how refreshed I am now that I have eaten this little bit of honey. If the men had been all, excuse me, if the men had been allowed to eat freely from the food they found among our enemies, think how many more Philistines they could have killed. They chased and killed the Philistines all day from Michmash and Ijalan growing more and more faint. That evening, they rushed for the battle, plunder, and butchered the sheep, goats, cattle, and calves, but they ate them without draining the blood. Someone reported to Saul, Look, the men are sinning against the Lord by eating meat that still has blood in it. That, that is very wrong, Saul said. Find a large stone and roll it over here. Then go out among the troops and tell them, Bring the cattle, sheep, and goats here to me. Kill them here and drain the blood before you eat them. Do not sin against the Lord by eating meat with the blood still in it. So that night all the troops brought their animals and slaughtered them there. Then Saul built an altar to the Lord 
It was the first of the altars he built to the Lord. Then Saul said, Let's chase the Philistines all night and plunder them until sunrise. Let's destroy every last one of them. His men replied, We'll do whatever you think best. But the priest said, Let's ask God first. So Saul asked God, Should we go after the Philistines? Will you help us defeat them? But God made no reply that day. Then Saul said to the leaders, Something's wrong. I want all my army commanders to come here. We must find out what sin was committed today. I vow, I vow by the name of the Lord who rescued Israel that the sinner will surely die, if, even if it is my own son Jonathan. But no one would tell him what the trouble was. Then Saul said, Jonathan and I will stand over here, and all of you stand over there. And the people responded to Saul, Whatever you think is best. Then Saul prayed, O Lord, God of Israel, please show us who is guilty and who is innocent. Then they cast sacred lots, and Jonathan and Saul were chosen as the guilty ones, and the people were declared innocent. Then Saul said, Now cast lots again and choose between me and Jonathan. And Jonathan was shown to be the guilty one. Tell me what you have done, Saul demanded of Jonathan. I tasted a little honey, Jonathan admitted. It was only a little bit on the end of my stick. D does that deserve death? Yes, Jonathan, Saul said. You must die. You must die. May God strike me and even kill me if you do not die for this. But the people broke in and said to Saul, Jonathan has won this great victory for Israel. Should he die? Far from it. As surely as the Lord lives, not one hair on his head shall be will be touched. For God helped him do a great deed today. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he was not put to death. Then Saul called back the army from chasing the Philistines, and the Philistines returned home. Now when Saul had secured his grasp on Israel's throne, he fought against his enemies in every direction, against Moab, Ammon, Edom, the kings of Zobah, and the Philistines. And, whenever he, and wherever he turned, he was victorious. He performed great deeds and conquered the Amalekites, saving Israel from all those who had plundered them. Saul's sons included Jonathan, Ishbosheth, and Malkishua. He also had two daughters, Mirab, who was his oldest, and Michal. Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimeaz. The commander of Saul's army, the commander of Saul's army was Abner, the son of Saul's uncle. Ner. Saul's father Kish and Abner's father Ner were both sons of Abiel. The Israelites fought constantly with the Philistines throughout Saul's lifetime. So whenever Saul observed a young man who was brave and strong, he drafted him into his army. Into 1 Samuel chapter 14. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we're reading through the Word of God. We'll be back.
of Lincoln Brewster with more than amazing. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We're continuing reading through the Word of God as we pick up in the New Testament in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Then what's the advantage of being a Jew? Is there any value in the ceremony of circumcision? Yes, there is great benefits. First of all, the Jews were entrusted with the whole revelation of God. True, some of them were unfaithful, but just because they were unfaithful, does that mean God will be unfaithful? Of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. As the scriptures say about him, you will be proved right in what you say, and you will win your case in court. But, some may say, our sinful Our sinfulness serves a good purpose, for it helps people see how righteous God is. Isn't it unfair, then, for Him to punish us? This is merely a human point of view. Of course not. If God were not entirely fair, how would He be qualified to judge the world? But, someone might still argue, how can God condemn me as a sinner If my dishonesty highlights the truthfulness, highlights his truthfulness and brings him more glory. And some people even slander us by claiming that we say, the more we sin, the better it is. Those who say such things deserve to be condemned. Well then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. As the scriptures say, No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. They Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips through their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. 
Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life, shedding His blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when He held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did, God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There is only one God and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Romans chapter 4 Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation, what did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scripture tells us, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who gives sinner, who forgives sinners. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joy for those who, whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin.
Now, is this blessing only for the Jews, or is it also for the uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we have been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith. But how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised, or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. So Abraham was the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. They are counted as righteous because of their faith. And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised, but only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and to his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it. Whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's, for Abraham is the father of all, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about two, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit, too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him. The one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, he has handed over to die. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God 
because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now we must, now most people would not be willing to die for an, un, for an upright person. But we'll end there for today. Uh, that was Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession, and as we normally do before we end the broadcast, if you are listening today and you've never made the eternally important, critical decision of inviting Jesus Christ to come into your heart to be the Lord and Savior of your life and choosing to be saved, we'd like to invite you to make that eternally important step even now. If you'd like to commit your whole heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ today, if that's the desire of your heart, would you simply pray this prayer with, with me even now? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so very much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for all my sins and all the wrong things I've done. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, I repent and I turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. In your word, you told us that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today, Lord, I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me, fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all my life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name we do pray, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we're very much wanting to be in touch with you. Once again, my email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We'd like the opportunity to share with you some literature and spiritual growth resources that will help you to begin to grow up and grow strong in your new walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. We definitely hope that we will hear from you. Once again, that email, joseph at afr.net. Thanks again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. As always, we appreciate you being a part of our listening family. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.